You're listening to the Nick Amp Podcast, a podcast that dives into the lives and stories of creatives, entrepreneurs, and outdoor enthusiasts. My name is Nick Amp, and I'm a filmmaker and photographer best known for documenting stories in the mountains. We sit down with guests to uncover where they pull inspiration from, dig into their experiences in the outdoor industry, and find a ton of actionable inspiration from their adventures in life. All right, welcome to episode 10. Today we have some special guests on, two actually this time. They're recently engaged, but they're mainly known for their travel photography, epic couple photos that they actually take themselves. Started traveling here in California, road tripping all the way to now doing international trips in Iceland, Finland, the islands, cruises everywhere now. The faces behind the lover's passport, Steven and Giselle. So... Hey guys, uh, appreciate you guys coming on. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having us. I know we've been following each other since like we had like a thousand followers or something like that. Crazy. I actually remember when you guys posted your first Big Sur YouTube video. Oh God. Yeah. (laughs) One of the OG ones. I remember one of my coworkers had told me, go to Big Sur. And I was like, what is it? What is a Big Sur? (laughs) <laughs> so your guys' video was the first one that came up on YouTube. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, I so because I edited that, not Steven, and it was like a two minute short thing. And I remember that's the first time we ever got a troll on YouTube because they were like, What do you mean adventure? You think this is an adventure photography account? Like you're wearing a dress, like blah blah blah. And I was like, ah, so offended. <laughs> oh, Oh, yeah, I remember when you guys did the hats and then the dress. Yeah, that that lasted maybe a month. I was not about it. I, I said this on our podcast, too. I'm like, you know, the dress girlies, love it for them. They rock it. I do not have that confidence at all. I still get I still get nervous taking photos in public, and we've been doing this for three years. So, you know. I feel that way. I feel the same. There's this one girl. She takes red dress pictures in snow by tornadoes and things like that i'm like just that's just that's just too much dedication it's commitment i remember i used to see Ben. he'd be like go change into your dress i'm like but it's 30 degrees outside I'm yeah like, so yeah so that gave me outfit repeat so for and over and over again <laughs> now you guys are famous for the red and yellow jackets now i know which is so funny because we got those jackets like a year or two in advance of starting this whole page because our other friend chris is a photographer mm-hmm. he was you need a bright jacket and the rest of the friend group already had bright jackets and i'd first mm-hmm. met so i went with yellow because it was a color that nobody else had yet and now mm-hmm. <laughs> so steven uh you're a taekwondo teacher i was kind of curious about this because you're part of the lover's passport do your students know that you're this big travel account person i some of them do it's quite funny some of the people are like oh yeah i watched you on my tv from like their youtube or something like mm-hmm. and that yeah it's quite i feel like a lot of them are too almost too young to be on the instagram tiktok because most our like main demographic is like age three years old all the way up to 12 years old and i feel like 13 14 is when they really start getting on tiktok and then even a little bit older getting on instagram so I feel like most of them don't have, but it's most of the parents. They're like, oh, your last trip looked really cool. Or they're they're always t- chatting about it. But they understand when I'm gone a lot more now. They're like, oh, 
how was Australia? I can't believe you're actually in the country now. It's it's quite funny to hear hear what they have to say. That's super awesome. I can relate to that. I'm a wrestling coach where I was till I quit my job. So the kids would come up to me, show me my TikTok. Oh, and, that's a- oh, I follow you. Hear all your cool videos, liking them all. I coached elementary at the time, and I was like, oh, oh. It was kind of weird and stuff like that. So I was like the first thing that came to mind when I found out you were teaching Taekwondo. Yeah, but it's pretty fun. I'm not there as often anymore now because we, I'm not outsourcing, but I have a a lot of other instructors that have been doing a great job taking care of it. So it's given us a lot more freedom so we can grow the business a little bit more. I remember your other instructors though, like the other people teaching, they are probably all like around 15 to 20. And they were super stoked anytime we popped up on their For You page or something. I remember, because I go to one of Steven's studios, but not the one he teaches at. I go to the other one because I'm stubborn. And um, <laughs> instructor was like, yo, I saw you on my For You page and you hit 50K. Like, that's insane. And then all the, once he said that, then all the other students were like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's quite funny. I feel like it's mostly the instructors. That would, they were the people that like would tell us when something was going viral. I remember our first TikTok that went viral. I was in yeah. the middle of you know, a private lesson and one of my students walked in and was like, yo, your video just hit 500K. And I'm like, no, come on, you're joking. He's like, no, no, look right here. And I was like, oh, shoot, like that's pretty cool. I think Dude. that like, video that we had blow up was um, that one. And that was when everyone was like, yo, I saw you on my For You page. Is this like what you're doing now? Because it was. Back then, it was super new. I feel like TikTok, still most people would either been like, no, that's for like kids, or they were like super amped on all the cat and dog videos on it and were already installing. <laughs> right. It's not for kids. It's for everyone. Exactly. But, so I listened to a couple of podcasts that you guys were on, and I heard that you were doing some crazy outdoors experiences at such a young age. Samitty Mel Whitney, right? At as a teenager like 14 years old i've that's when we climbed it my dad i mean like you were saying you met him in death valley he's just like we call him rambo because he his idea of fun is like driving out for three or four months is his dream he's like my dream is to own a van road trip for a year and climb every single mountain that there is in california i'm like every single one he's like yeah and he would say the exact he's like there's 279 notable peaks that i want to climb and i'm like how do you even know this it's like so then he's like after i finish climbing every mountain in california then i want to go to colorado i'm gonna climb every single 14er i'm like do you know how many 14ers there are out there but his style of hiking and backpacking is no trail so he loves not seeing anyone for like four days and being just out of the boonies summoning all these epic peaks uh, but yeah, that, I feel like that was what, or my first experience with like travel and camping and adventure was because we were super poor when I was a kid. So we didn't have any money to go travel to other states. So all of our travel was just like camping road trips in the California. So we would start on little backpacking trips near home. And then we worked up to eventually doing Mount Whitney and a couple other 14 years in the Eastern Sierra. Dude, what was that experience like being able to summit it at such a young age? Did your friends know about it? I feel like I told my friends, but none of them understood what I was doing. You'd be like, oh, yeah, I just climbed the highest mountain in the lower 48. And they were like, oh, okay. I I had a soccer game. Like, no no one really understood what what that was back then. But for me, it felt really cool. I remember that I was the youngest person in 10 years to climb it. When we went up, we looked through, like, the book. 
and everyone writes like where they're from how old they are blah blah and the youngest person beside that was like a 16 year old so it was pretty cool seeing that i was like the youngest one in quite a few years that had been up there that's awesome and giselle you studied abroad right yeah During yeah college i did it when i was in high school too when i was 15 oh, what? i decided that i wanted to go study abroad so that's why i got my first job actually when i was like 13 or 14. I got my first job so I could save up for this summer program at Oxford in England and worked for two years so I can do that because I, I mean, I was like a minor, so I could only work so many hours a week. But uh, yeah, I saved up for that and then I paid for it myself and I went to Oxford for like two months as a 15 year old, flew unaccompanied minor on over and took like college classes over there just for funsies and loves that experience. And then I did it again in college. I studied abroad in the Netherlands. And that was a similar thing. I was over there for like a summer semester and then was able to go and solo travel with some, and I met some friends, so they hopped on some trips too, but I was the, the trip planner of the group. So I was able to hit like 10 countries in that summer and then came back. And then I think that was the last time I'd really done any European travel before I met Steven. But yeah, I've always, I've always loved traveling. My family also wasn't like super rich in terms of like, being able to travel just whenever my mom was a travel agent though so she got really good discounts and deals kind of like how we get fam trips as influencers she got like fam trips for being a travel agent so we got to do a lot of really cool trips for cheap so that's kind of what sparked the love of that and my dad's family is all from the uk like he lives in london so i'd travel there and back pretty often as a kid i think i was on my first flight when i was like three months old or something so been traveling since I was a baby. <laughs> Traveling's in your blood. That's just, dude, you got, you got a job at 13 years old? Oh, yeah. I've been in the work for a while. I mean, that's why it grinds my gears when people comment like, oh, you rich trust fund baby. I was like, I worked three jobs at once in college while taking full load and being a sorority president just to pay for myself to get through that and like came out with so much debt and all this stuff. So it grinds my gears because I've been working for so long to pay for everything myself. It's yeah, so I mean, now I just drug him off. Well, that explains the dedication to this account and how you guys are able to keep it up so much. You have that discipline and motivation that from a young age. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so what inspired you guys to take your own photos? I mean, take selfies and things like that. But how did you get the bright idea to get a remote? I feel like a lot of people before you weren't doing the remote as much yeah they and had then that. you guys kind of you guys kind of spurred the, the remote so i think a lot of it came from and Stephen can do like more backstory on why we started taking our own photos but for the remote i didn't like being really close to the camera <laughs> like i still i mean most of our photos are still pretty far away or like medium far away where like you can still see your face but it's not like up close and personal which i find a lot of people are the same way just in terms of like taking self-portraits and things in public it was just like i said earlier like i was always super nervous to take photos in public so getting the remote we were still able to take these crazy landscapes and put ourselves in them without being restricted to the app or like a self-timer because we'd done the self-timer or i don't think we ever actually used the canon app uh but you only have like 10 seconds to sprint and run so you really can't put yourself in a crazy landscape like death valley like, when you're sprinting out all the way to the sand dunes, you really can't do that with a self-timer. 
So we experimented with some remotes. We went through a few before we found ones we actually liked because most of them only would go up to like 20 feet away. And then we found one that went up to 300 feet away and we we're like, all right, yes, let's push this thing. And then since then, we just kind of always use the remote. It's just... When I was a kid, my dad, or still to this day, every six months, he takes a picture uh, ever since we were born. So zero, six months, one year, one year, six months, all, all the way through till now I'm 26. He's still doing it every May and every November. And the way he started taking those with it was with a remote. He never, his old camera, he didn't have a self timer on it. So we would always, every, every May, he'd pull out the remote, pull out his camera, set up his tripod. We go in the backyard. He uses remote to take his pictures. And then I remember when we bought our first camera, I just thought like you had to have a camera, you had to have a tripod and you had to have a remote because my dad had been taking all these pictures of us for years and years and years. And he'd always use a remote. So I thought it was like normal. Like I thought every photographer had a remote at some point. And then it just made sense whenever we did go to take our photos. I was like, oh, I've been doing this since I was a kid using the remote. Let's just keep on using it. Yo, so you guys have taken some epic photos pretty much everywhere. I want to know what has been your craziest photo you've had to set up. Because I know some of those photos aren't easy to set up and get down to an area to pose. Could you share an experience that was the craziest? Death Valley Dunes first came to mind, but that was because you had to run for so long up and down the hills. I mean, we run for so long everywhere. And like when we were in Abu Dhabi, I feel like it's most of the places that there's like up and downs, up and down. Like what all the sand dunes we were taking pictures of in the UAE out in Jordan when we were taking pictures of like Petra here when we were in California in the dunes. In Idaho, there were more dunes that we have to go back and forth. I feel like the it's definitely a lot easier because we have a drone. So if there is a place that's not oh. in a national park, we can just fly up our drone, put our drone where we would put the tripod and take our picture. So I feel like it's mostly in the national parks. Since you're not allowed to fly drones, it makes our life quite a bit more difficult to have to walk all the way over somewhere in the national park, set up our tripod, walk all the way back. Where I feel like most of the time we have like a little 10 or 15 foot gap between us. But I feel like in national parks, that's when we really have to like run back so i feel like in every, almost every national park i'm thinking you know 70 if we're taking pictures up in taft point i have to set it up 300 feet away run all the way over take a picture run all the way back in sequoia national park in the snow set it up way far away run all the way into picture run all the way back i feel like a drone has really made our life a lot easier because we can take those epic photos far away and not necessarily have to run back and forth because i can just use my drone to go where it goes i will say though one like really hard experience was shooting the volcano in Guatemala, which is like that photo behind us. Oh, um, so nice. Because you don't know when it's going to erupt and it only erupted at night. So like Steven literally had his tripod outside of our tent with the camera, but no camera battery because it was so cold. And so he'd have to like put it in, get the shot and hold the like long exposure. And that was a really, really difficult photo to get. We maybe only got like what? less than 10 photos that night because it only erupt for like a minute and, oh, yeah. and then we met yes and you've missed your opportunity if you weren't ready but so we'd be like sleeping it would start rumbling before it erupted so you just immediately pop up and then have to get everything and then hope for the best and that was that was very difficult i would love to go and like reshoot that again with any video we just had bad weather because i remember that it was cloudy and raining and thunderstorming on us 
the entire evening, like going into sunset time when we wanted to shoot. And then that whole night, and I woke up in the middle of the night and I'm like, oh, there's actually no clouds. So then we pulled out the tripod and set up and started taking some photos. But like G said, every eruption was different too. It's just like every sunset. Every sunset, some sunsets you get really good ones. Some sunsets it's like tiny little burn. I feel like with the volcano, it's the same thing. Every once in like 15 eruptions, have this massive eruption and it'll look like the photo behind us. But at most of them, it was just like little, it wasn't like much a of a photo, yeah. <laughs> that's crazy because most people post the best photo of the eruption yeah when they didn't realize that there's the ones that were going like you said barely anything coming out yeah yeah <laughs> that that's amazing man so shameless plug for yourselves i've been following along with your guys's new creator's passport oh yeah i have a i have a lot of people who are in the creative industry want to travel do photography things like that so if you wouldn't mind us sharing Who's it for and who's it not for? Things like that. What to expect coming up from you guys in that I feel aspect. Like we've taken quite a few courses in our days. Like we've taken Club Life Design, we've taken um Danny's course, we've taken blogging courses, we've taken other Instagram courses, we've talked to people who've taken Lost Creator Academy. Like there's so many courses out there, but I feel like most of them are like not very surface level, but it's like they're for begin they're for beginners. Yeah. Like what we're trying to achieve here is making a more high level course. So our target audience, like not saying it's not for beginners, like we're definitely doing so actually let me just backtrack and looking to <laughs> we have three different mini courses basically in one. So one's like photo video boot camp. Like you've never picked up a camera before in your entire life. And you're going to learn exactly what you need to know for photo, video, and and drones. Then we have growth, which is like every platform that we're on. How is it? YouTube, blog, TikTok, Instagram, podcast. Like we have so many different platforms and streams of revenue. I think that a big thing that we're going to talk about on it is you shouldn't only be on like hope they go on Instagram and not do anything else. You you need to be using every single platform. Well, at least two. But, and then the last one is running a business and it's going to be very marketing heavy, branding heavy, um, things like that. And very more like admin stuff, which is more of what I do out of the two of us. So like, cause we know QuickBooks and accounting and legal stuff and like the whole backside of things that nobody ever talks about when you're doing it. Like I didn't know how to establish an LLC when I was first starting. I didn't even know what an LLC was. What's the difference between an LLC and an S corporation and like business structures and all that kind of stuff. And how do you put together a marketing plan for a product that you're going to launch? And so that's going to be more of the high level stuff. And I would say we're doing it so you can either buy all of them or you can buy one separately. So if you're already a pro photographer, you don't need that course, but you're on Instagram or you're on Instagram and you're struggling to grow, then you can get the growth one. Let's say you're growing, you have a huge audience, you're great at creating content, but you're not making money. Okay, take the business course. So like it's it's kind of a three in one thing, but I would say that our audience for or like our target audience for it is not beginners. I would say it's more like intermediate to advanced people that are very serious about making this a full time job. And not just like dabbling, but, you know, trying to really push and get into the creative space so they can take it full time or if they are doing it full time, make more money. 
So that's kind of where we're going with it. It's we just started production this last week because there's been a lot of like steps to get to all the lessons and modules and things. So it probably mm-hmm. won't be ready for another like at least two months. But um yeah, we're really excited because hopefully there's nothing else out there like this so far. And we're also hoping to have it in Spanish too, which I've no I've not seen another course do. So um yeah, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> wow. Way to close the gap there. I agree with you 100%. There's not a lot of high-level content courses that are teaching people how to run their business. I recently quit my job three months ago, and it's definitely been a learning process. So many things I didn't know, things like that. I think that's really good for so many people. And then being able to do it in Spanish. I mean, I've never, ever, ever heard someone do it in Spanish. So that's going to be super exciting. We got the idea from Mr. Beast. I don't know if you know, I'm sure you know who Mr. Beast is, but <laughs> he dubs everything in different languages. So he has all these viral videos. They get like 300 million views. But then he was like, you know, only 10% of the entire world speak English. So if he can tap into other markets and let's say start talking to in Spanish. And it's funny because he'll find actors in that language and then hire them. So like, like famous for, actors. Yeah. So for. For instance, in Spanish course is the person that plays Spider-Man in Marvel and does the voiceover for Marvel, um, Spider-Man in Spanish. He got that person. Bunch of comments on his videos like, is Spider-Man Mr. Beast? Like, what is happening? It it, it was, it's quite. But it's a genius move because if you only do it in English, you're isolating so many people. I mean, you can automatically double the amount of audience you're trying to reach if you're talking in Spanish now. So I think. And we don't know Spanish. We know very minutia Spanish. (laughs) we will have someone who is very good at translating dubbing all of our materials so um yeah especially being in california i mean like 50 percent of people speak spanish you know uh-huh. took the words right out of my mouth i was going to say just as your california audience that's going to be huge yeah we think that it'll be a fun way and i feel like not a lot of people are focusing on it so if we can offer something that maybe can change their life or help them out and grow their audience i mean there's a whole market for that Amazing, guys. So you guys have been traveling both for quite a long time, so you have a ton of experience traveling, going outdoors, hiking, things like that. What advice would you share with someone who is thinking about entering into traveling more? How would you recommend them to start? For example, your avatar is your 9-to-5 guy, doesn't know anything about traveling. I would start with doing an overnight trip somewhere nearby. I think a lot of people think that travel's got to be some crazy long European vacation or something. But like when we were doing our nine to five, our form of travel was we'd drive like three hours to Joshua Tree and we'd car camp for a night or two and then come back. So starting small, I feel like is the biggest thing because you learn a lot and you're not too out of your comfort zone yet where if something really bad were to happen... Like, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Like, for example, car camping in Joshua Tree, you can make sure you have, like, your full camping set up and all this stuff. And if you forget something, there's a store right there. You know, it's not like you're going out mm-hmm. into the country and you really need something and you can't get it. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like most, co- even different countries or different states, every single one, I would almost rate as, like, an easy, medium travel uh, travel type of destination. You know how people rate hikes, like, this hike is easy. This hike is modern, yeah. strenuous hike. 
I feel like these people should almost rate destinations like that. Like, for instance, we're getting ready to go to Japan. I would not rate that as like an easy for beginners no level uh, travel experience. That is like an advanced, more strenuous type of experience because of the language barrier, like the cultural differences, like there's such a big thing. Even with like traveling within the U.S., for instance, if you're traveling to somewhere that much less touristy out on the boondocks or if you're traveling to like Texas, you have to realize that you're going to be driving like eight hours in between different cities sometimes. Whereas in California, you can drive 15, 20 minutes most of the time and hit another city. So I think starting locally, like G said, is hands down the best way to start. And then from there, slowly eat their minute. Because the, the budget wise too, it's so much cheaper to travel near you. And that way, if you're like, oh, I want to start traveling and dabbling in it, you're not buying a $1,000 plane ticket to Iceland for your first trip. You're spending... <laughs> dollars on gas there and back from a fun little weekend trip you know that's amazing i know you guys grew super fast on social media and i remember you posting about a couple times in your stories how you guys got recognized in public it was it oh all time. <laughs> happens all the time now that's awesome is it cool. is it weird or kind of like is do people say like yeah. giselle steven yeah well okay so it's different like Literally last week, we were hiking for a gig in Conejo Valley, which is like 30 minutes away from us. And I grew up there and we were in a bagel shop and we're not like wearing our red and yellow jackets or anything. Like we used to only get recognized when we were wearing our jackets. Now it's like anywhere it can happen. So we were just in a bagel shop ordering bagels. And this one girl at high school nearby was like, oh, my God, I know you guys from Instagram. Like you're the lover's <laughs> passport, right? And most of the time they say lover's passport, not just Elton Steven. But uh yeah it's it's cool too like seeing the diverse like amount of people that recognize us because she was like an 18 year or 17 year old in high school and then we get some adults that recognize us and then we get people like we've gotten recognized everywhere from like amon jordan switzerland like literally when we when he proposed to me there were two other people at the lake we were at and they followed us and they knew who we were and they're like oh congrats guys like we follow you on instagram and then, like, oh, where else? In uh, Kanab in Utah, over by the wave, yeah. I was with my mom. I wasn't even with Steven. And I was with a group of four other adults, like, all over 60. And there was a couple in the restaurant that recognized me as we were leaving and asked for a picture. And my mom was, like, stoked. She's like, you have groupies. Like, that's so cool. And she posted on Facebook. She was like, wow. <laughs> but why nope. not? really cool i mean i feel like we're just normal average joes so i always love it when people ask to like take a picture come say hi or something a lot of the times we end up like inviting them on trips with us or something people we've met in yosemite just on the fly like took them out hiking with us or in alabama hills we ran into a few people and all all those people have gone on trips with us since so i promise we're friendly <laughs> that's awesome nope I don't have as many followers as you guys, but I went to most hiking in the backcountry in Mammoth. Not that was an easy hike. And this guy comes up to me and he says, Are you the 100 sunrises guy? Because last year I was catching 100 sunrises. So I was like, I looked back and I mean, I don't think anyone would recognize me because I don't have that many followers. And he was like, Dude, I've been following you since 2020. That's when I started too. And it was just interesting to like, people come to you like that and you don't even realize they think you're some person on social media but like to me just a dude that takes photos exactly you yeah. don't feel like you're a celebrity or anything but yeah. 
weirdest part is when they know so much about you. Like sometimes, especially if they've been <laughs> for like some people have followed us for like three years now. So they've seen like us get a dog. They've seen us get married. Now they've seen us buy a house together. They've seen all the places we've gone. They've seen like our favorite places to go when our anniversaries are like, they know so much about you that and you don't know anything about exactly so they're like asking you all these questions and it, it i don't know sometimes it can like be overwhelming to know so much about one person because i feel like it's very different than like movie stars like movie stars people fan but most of the time people don't know too much about them it's like oh you're you're the guy from that one movie and they don't know anything about their personal life like they know quite a bit about our personal life going into I mean, to an extent or like we don't publish a lot of stuff on our personal life like outside of surface level stuff but we've done that for a reason because there is only like i mean some people are super open about everything that happens in their life but we just for the sake of relationship purposes and safety i i feel like we've been pretty good about just sharing like on a need to know basis yeah (laughs) that's amazing so when what would you guys be doing right now if you weren't running the lover's passport what would Giselle be doing? What would you be doing, Steven? I really hope I wouldn't still be at my nine to five job. I feel like I was like <laughs> anyways, where I would have found some other job doing marketing or PR. But yeah, probably probably something in the social media sphere. Like my previous job before this, I was running the influencer program and um like pitching our store to like CVS, Walmart, like all these retailers trying to get our products into retail. So something like that, I'd assume. My my top goal before we even started this was to work PR and marketing and entertainment. So I really wanted to work for like Universal or Warner Brothers, like Paramount or something like that and do a lot of their special events marketing and, and influencer marketing and things like that. So I feel like I probably would have been in that realm hopefully if that was my goal still without lover's passport but i mean we we would definitely still be traveling we were we've been traveling together since we first met so i don't think that would have changed i think it would have just been more more weekend trips like we were doing and less international stuff now but yeah maybe have another dog (laughs) i think more involved in taekwondo because i've i like this weekend is one of the biggest taekwondo tournaments of the year it's nationals out in texas and i think this is the first one of the first nationals i've missed in like 20 years probably is now since i've started so it, i think i would just be going to a lot more of those events before every single weekend was filled with training people every single one was built on like traveling to these different tournaments and competing so just i think i'd be a lot busier with my martial arts career so business person the business person what are some of the biggest challenges or just challenges that you've had to navigate through since quitting your job? Yeah, that's a good question. I feel like the hardest one for, I, I think this is what, their G tells me this like 10 times a week. She's like, work, life, balance. I feel like that, <laughs> I feel like that is the hardest part because for me, I don't find like any of this content creation stuff work. Like I can sit there and like this morning I made seven different TikToks and I was yeah. like super fun. I, was, I had so much fun editing, going through footage, thinking of different ideas, looking at all of our pillars, asking Giselle like, should I go with this one or this one? Like, I think that's super fun. I would edit all day and then on the weekends go out and hike every day and go see it. That, that's like the most fun thing in the world for me. So for me, I feel like it's very, very 
their the work life balance is like it's just regular life. But I feel like with G, she definitely gets. I feel like it's every every girl that we've talked to or even on on our podcast, they get very burnt out. Where every guy is like, "No, I can work all day. This is great. Like we're all we can grow." Because I feel like especially when you own and run your own business, it is very very easy to see like if I do this, I make more money, or if I do this business booms if i don't do this then business tanks you know so in the back of my head it's very, like we've posted i think almost 500 days of reels now in a row and with that Hi. and almost 500 days in a row since november november of 2020 yeah and with that it, it you look at it and obviously we've we've like quadrupled in size across all platforms income's gone up and i think a big part of that is because we've been so consistent and been putting in so much work where is we did take more days off and did take more time to do like what is it? our own things then we wouldn't be business <laughs> good so i think that that's the hardest part is just finding that work-life boundary but yeah i i mean i think i saw you post it the other day like you know you leave the nine to five to work 24 7 like that's i mean it's a realistic statement in some ways but i feel like we definitely gotten better about the work-life balance stuff too like this week especially like we're making time for the gym again and we're cutting things off when it's 9 p.m instead of midnight like little progress stuff but we're both huge workaholics so which is great for like the business but you know otherwise burnout is not great that's that's always i've had burnout a few times in the past three years and then um i'm trying to think otherwise business i know a lot of people struggle with like consistency of income but i feel like we've been pretty good about our whatever eight or nine streams of income so that hasn't been a huge problem for us luckily which i definitely attribute to a lot of building in the early stages of making sure not all our eggs are in one basket and then i'm sure you think other like business barriers to entry like buy a drone early and often yeah <laughs> <laughs> that that thing is literally i feel like I, like i don't know how well it performs for other people but for us it feels like the drone footage performs so well and it makes life so much easier i could hike up this massive mountain and try it and take like an iphone pan or i can just turn on the drone take the same thing in like 30 seconds it just makes content creation so much easier especially in the outdoor industry <laughs> drones cameras tripods what have you found that was your best travel adventure gear? Because I'm sure you guys have been in instances where your gear has been under a lot of stress and just in water, mud. Everything. What have you found that was the best for you? Because people who follow this podcast are into the outdoors and photography. So I'm sure they would like to listen to this. I think the number one thing was getting that tripod of ours. The Peak Design Travel Tripod. It's so fancy. Like, we were fully in the headspace of buy once, cry once when we were investing in our camera gear. And that thing had been stuck in rivers, oceans, cliffs, storms. Never once has fallen over with a camera on it. So, or even wobbled with a camera on it. It did wobble once in Milford, so. Okay, but the camera wasn't. <laughs> that was just... With... <laughs> That was oh. also like 60 or 70 mile per hour, not, not. Oh. Yeah, it was, it was really scary. But that thing has been awesome and it's lightweight, so you can backpack with it if you're willing to carry a little extra weight, but it's not like super heavy. 
especially for the type of content if you want to get stuff of yourself it just you're not going to find anything more versatile like a good camera is awesome but how often are you posting photos compared to the i like i think if you took all of the footage that we post online across every platform and then you divide that per device i think that our tripod and our iphone hands down take the most footage whether we're like putting our iphone on our camp on our tripod and sticking it up in the air or if we're putting our uh phone on the tripod and we're walking in front of it for like an opening shot i don't even know the amount of times that we've used it it's just i feel like it it's necessary if you're trying to take content of yourself if you're like another landscape bro or you're another person <laughs> that takes photos of other people then i feel like you don't necessarily need a tripod but for us since we like capturing content of ourselves it's like a necessary piece of gear yeah, and the iPhone honestly is so great right now. Like, the, I have the 14 Pro Max. I just got it like a week or two ago. And the camera quality on that's just crazy. You know, if you're just starting out, we we have like mentored people now that don't even own a camera and they just hit 200K. So you really, if you're like into content creation and stuff and still want to capture really beautiful things, learn with an iPhone first and then you can upgrade to a camera and things like that. But really, I would say our tripod the phone and the drone like mm. the drone has up literally updated our like photo photo worthiness in all departments like we deliver so many galleries with a lot of drone photos for like our tourism clients so that's been really really nice to have super great response i agree tripod drone especially for travel tourism boards because when i've seen them in the past that was a part that was lacking is aerial shots of their, whether it was their city or their location of the landscape. That's definitely a gap. So you guys are hitting it right there too. But yeah, I, think, I think if people are looking to get their drones though, I would highly recommend them looking at like a part 107 license or just getting like um, information or taking some type of course to learn about it because i feel because uh, now we're jumping into the whole fpv drone space and trying to get better at that so that's like our new journey that we're super excited about but even with regular drones there's so many people that don't know how to fly them properly and they fly them in national parks yeah as opposed to i feel like it would just make i mean it's like the content creator sphere now too the more people talk about pricing and negotiation the more the better it's getting for everyone and i feel like uh -huh. with the more people would spend time researching it, the better it would get for everyone. Because right now there's drone restrictions popping up faster than wildflowers in California. <laughs> it's like, it's actually ridiculous. No, they're making it really hard, man. So you guys run a business together. What's it like being able to separate work and life relationships? What are some tips to other people who maybe our friends, significant others, how would you give tell them how to navigate through those types of things? I would say, firstly, it's not for everyone. Like, you have to be so honest and communicative if you're working with your partner or best friend or something like that. Like, we don't hold grudges over each other, over business stuff. We don't, like, you know, if we have date night, but we have a disagreement about a business thing, it's not going to transfer into our date night you know i think the best thing that we did was just we we have two completely different jobs like if we worked at a company g would work a completely different position than what i did 
in the beginning, we both edited photos. We both edited video. We both were responding to emails, doing this and that. And I feel like, uh, we were stepping on, yeah, we were stepping on each other's toes. And now that we were in the beginning, we were like, okay, you take photo, I'll do video. You do YouTube, I'll do blogging. You take negotiations, I'll do business admin. Like we have very separate jobs. So every day, no matter if I don't know what Giselle's doing or she doesn't know what I do, we both trust each other. That, okay, I know Steven's going to get this, 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 and this done. Or I know G's going to get this, this, and this done. I, I think that it's helped our productivity and make it so we can do a lot of things faster than other people are doing in the content creator sphere because there are two of us that we can do almost two completely different jobs. So I think that's like the biggest thing is in the beginning, sitting down and being like, all right, what are you really good at? And what am I really good at? And what and like, you enjoy. Exactly. And then let's split it up. Like before G was doing some comments, but then they started to get to her head with all the like negativity that comes yeah. in. So I think overall the comments, but for stories, for instance, none of my stories are pretty enough. So G does all of our stories and makes <laughs> them look. There's that thing. And with Thunderkill, for it with blogging, for instance, I am not a good writer, but G is a way better writer. And then with picture taking and video taking, for instance, that way G doesn't have to run up and down the things or go do all that. I've taken over like the drone and the videography area. So I feel like we both have very different spheres, but um, if you could figure that out, I feel like early on, whether you're working with a best friend or uh, someone you're in a relationship with, I think it really clears up a lot of arguments that can possibly happen. That's some great advice. Uh, I follow a lot of leadership podcasts and one of the first things they say to do in business is to delegate and separate responsibilities so that one, productivity, two, there's no questions between who's doing what. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. We talked to a lot of other couples about it and it seems that most people do something similar. I mean, not exactly like, oh, there's like a Steven and a Giselle of each relationship, but like most of them that we find that are super successful are also completely delegating something with maybe like one or two overlaps. You're like, we both do emails and we both like do scheduling and calls and stuff. But outside of that, there's really minimal overlap. So being in the creator industry, I mean, that's a huge industry nowadays. What are some misconceptions or myths that you guys think that are floating around that you could possibly debunk for the people who are listening there's a few the first one that came to mind was shadow banning that's not a thing like that's really <laughs> wild thing. Oh, no. um that's i think funny. people blame the algorithm for a lot what and they're not just heard there was a quote we heard that said every time you say algorithm replace it with audience and it'll change your thought process you're like Oh, the algorithm's not showing any of my stuff to anyone. It'd be like, well, the uh, the audience isn't seeing any of my stuff. It, it's not that the algorithm algorithm is going to show the stuff that is doing the best. It doesn't matter if mm -hmm. like you think that your content is the best. I think that one thing we sat down with this other couple, Trent and Sarah from Rio Travelers, and they think that one of the most important things you can do as like a creator is know when a video sucks or like know when it's like, not your take responsibility when it sucks. yeah like like it's okay it's gonna. <laughs> not always gonna have great content and then take that and learn from it. like look yeah. at your analytics where are they dropping off in your video maybe that hook wasn't strong enough like maybe i need to get rid of text maybe i need to add text like me like if we're doing an ad for a company and we post it and it doesn't hit a certain minimum we immediately delete it ask the company like hey can we change the hook for it like it didn't perform 
and they'll change the hook or the structure or something like that and it'll perform better so it's just knowing like <laughs> not everything's gonna hit but don't necessarily place all the blame in the algorithm but yeah like i think that's probably the biggest biggest one that i can think of. and a lot of people won't like in other courses of things like that a lot of people won't tell people that because they're afraid to hurt people's feelings but like we do occasional is like if people reach out to us and say hey can you look at my account we'll do audits for them like we're very straight up we're very blunt well <laughs> um travel with Dalt dalton he's yeah. awesome we we met up with him last last February first fire when we here but we hopped on a one on one with him and he was like all right let's analyze some. so we went through like twenty five reels and I was like okay this part was terrible you need to switch this like this and and we like it, your text is too big yeah. you make it smaller you're covering the pretty stuff like I think it's very helpful if you have someone that's been in it for a while or just other friends look at your video and be like what like honestly what do you think of this video you know because they're definitely are some videos even that we put out that I look back and I'm like yeah I probably could have put a little bit more effort in related like, yeah I would have scrolled past that you know <laughs> yeah, like you have to make it so it is a show stopper like people want to watch your video Mike Trout that, <laughs> I, I I preached that so much with so many people I worked at a marketing agency before I quit my job so we worked with other businesses, helping them grow their social media, their website, things like that. And not just working with them, but telling other people, I'm like, dude, if it didn't do good, you literally didn't catch their, catch their eye. It doesn't necessarily mean you're a bad videographer, a bad photographer. You just didn't make eye-catching content for the app. For the right. App. And I mean, it doesn't, like, posting something and it doesn't do well isn't necessarily a bad thing. You can learn from that and then uh -huh. change strategy. Like all data is good data, whether it's not a, po or a post not performing well or uh -huh. a post that does really well, you can examine it and totally adjust your strategy. So, hundred mm percent -hmm. agree. That's that's amazing stuff. I'm glad you guys t spoke on that. So, 2023 travel industry, travel creation, travel photography. It's a lot more saturated than it was in 2020. Uh, what are some tips that you could give people who are thinking about entering the industry? Should they? Is it too late? What are your guys' thoughts on that? I think my biggest tip would just be don't be someone else. Yeah, like, don't copy there, other people. There are so many copycats that we see that are of us just like exact same text or exact same videos and exact same dip. Which happens with term culture, like regardless yeah. of who is us or not. And, but, and we do trends too, but when you're trying to make an establishing name for yourself, no one's going to do the lover's passport better than the lover's passport. You know, like you can't just try and emulate someone exactly and hope that that's going to take you all the way. You need to figure out your own style and your own unique perspectives and things like that. And I know Steven talks about it a lot, like what makes you different than anyone else in the space because nobody else has your story. So I think that adding that to it is a big part of it. Like, I think that's why we grew so much in the beginning was there. What were our photos were not nearly as good as all the landscape bros are. We weren't showing our booties as much as all the wander babes. <laughs> like, we're not trying to be anyone else. We're, we're just walking around. Like my girlfriend asked me to go on this road trip. This is what it'll look like. And POV, you woke up at 5 a.m. And this is the sunrise you saw like and like no oh, you can still travel a nine to five job we were trying to be like as relatable as possible and just 
tell our story of like this is how we started doing this this is it's not that hard to do it like you can do it too and i know that we've not transitioned away from a lot of our like road trip hiking backpacking stuff in the beginning we've added in a lot more travel and i think it's healthy to like you're obviously pivoting a little bit so i think in when people are first starting it's super important to not i people are like niche down niche down as much as you can but you want to niche down and then kind of find your own area like for instance let's say you want to be in the hiking industry and or the hiking, travel out, outdoor industry so do hiking do road trips do camping do all of it but let's say you're one video that goes absolute ban bananas and goes super viral is you doing washington content and you're from california if you start doing a bunch of california content but you got twenty five thousand followers from a washington content your stuff isn't going to perform as well so i think looking at what is taking off in your account and then just kind of running with that is super super important like, especially when you're first starting yeah and it's constantly changing too when you're first starting out like we started with outdoor like Stephen was saying and we slowly have added a few more like content pillars as the world's opened up like naturally you're gonna grow as a human and as an account so just staying in one like i love hiking don't get me wrong but like doing a hike every single day of my life is not <laughs> i'm not just one dimensional i'm multifaceted so like i have other interests that grow along with it so that's just like one thing like if people want to rebrand themselves a little bit and add a few more things like go for it because i know a lot of people are scared to do that and we were a little scared too but we were like it's it's been very well received all the international travel stuff um oh god i forgot where i was going with that though yeah i think, I think that that's like the best thing is just throwing and then being super consistent like like we said we posted for almost 500 days and I, we're going to try some new strategies because we literally just started a new account i think it has like 450 followers on and like creator passport so our goal is on three months seeing if we can get it up to 50 or 100k so we're going to try and push that account as hard as we can see how much we can grow it and show that it people i think it's super saturated but there's really there's still people that we or massive creators that we find today and we're like oh we haven't seen this person's content in three years if we have and we're on the app every single day so if we're still finding new accounts there's going to be tons and tons of accounts and i don't know if you've looked but if you look at big creators accounts like renee roaming angela liggs our account like all all three of us none of us we have like maybe what 10 15 20 like you overlap out of 300 400 500 all the way up to 800,000. Like, that's crazy that only 10 people all I mean, most normal people aren't going to follow a ton of travel creators, right? They're going to follow, like, two or three travel creators, two or three, like, keep like, a dog. They, yeah, they're, they're just, they don't want their whole feed to be travel. So I think if you can find your own audience, you can make it no matter what. It's not nowhere near as saturated as a lot of the market. I remember what I was going to say. Um, like, <laughs> term with content analytics and things like that, too. Like looking back every, we do it every three months and see what performed well and what hasn't and run with it like Stephen was saying. So right now our funny, entertaining content is doing so stupid well. Like it almost bothers me that it does so well because we put in so much effort for these beautiful photos and gorgeous drone video. Make a meme and it gets 10 times more views. Like what are you doing? So like right now, like all of our really funny, relatable, sound like our boyfriend's travel training or our like dancing the elevator on our cruise ship like those are all like hitting multi-million like a pov of steven running shirtless through the cruise to go get a sunrise shot like 
that stuff is doing so well for us and we would have normally never posted stuff like that if you were to tell us like three years ago that we were posting that right now but since it's doing really really well and we're getting a ton of reach from it we're gonna keep running with it until something else pops up you know so and that's just one of our what, 10 content categories that we post but it's gonna be more prominent because it is doing so well so just knowing your analytics and and truly running with what is working what's and ditch what's not working. Steven, you just crushed so many people's limiting beliefs. First of all, just by what you said about mutual people who are following each other. That's an amazing thing you touched on. And Giselle, getting deep in the analytics, I just ran a content audit on myself for the first time ever. I knew how to do it, but I just never did it for myself. It takes Wasn't some time. It. Yeah. And it's, it's detailed in everything in my, my Google Sheets from calculations to graphs, doing all kinds of different things, which one did good, non-followers, followers, things like that. So the fact that you touched on digging deep in the analytics, running what's doing good is something that I think everybody needs to hear because people tend to not always look at the facts. End of the yeah. day. We can love our pretty pans all that we want, but if they're yeah. not well... <laughs> So what can the people expect from Steven and Giselle in 2023? What's next? We're doing like a bucket list year is what we're saying. So next up we have, we're hopefully going to be going to see the cherry blossoms in Japan. So we're leaving for Japan next week. Uh, And then from there, we've got some fun little adventures planned for the rest of the year. And um, obviously, we got our course coming out, so we'll have a lot of work to do on that front. But outside of that, we've been doing a lot of international stuff in the first half of this year. We've done Finland because we wanted to go see the Northern Lights, and then Australia. We did the Great Barrier Reef, so that kind of all goes with the bucket list series. But in the summertime, I think we're going to be doing a lot of USA travel again and road trips and kind of go back to our roots a little bit. So that should be really fun. But yeah, lots of exciting things coming. We're getting married this year. We're moving yeah. into our, we get a new house or condo in like a week and a half, our first place together. So still many big changes, but all good things. Congratulations guys on getting Thank engaged you. in the big wedding coming up. That's super exciting. For the people who want to learn more about you guys, where can they find you on the social media platforms? You can find us basically everywhere. If you look up Unfiltered Adventures and you want to listen to some fun behind-the-scenes content, you can listen to our podcast. If you want to see all of our beautiful horizontal content and tips, you can check out our YouTube. If you want to see funny memes, you can check out TikTok. If you want to see more beautiful stuff and more occasional memes, check out Instagram. We're the lover's passport on there. Yeah, look. And if you want to see all of our blogs and our photography ebook, any of our guides, um, all of our long-form content, that is all going to be on our blog, theloverspassport.com. So tons of different options to check stuff out. And all of them are just a little bit different. Awesome, guys. So if you guys didn't catch that, it's the Lover's Passport at on everything. And highly, highly recommend following these guys. I've been following these two since they had under a 1,000 followers, and it's been awesome to see them grow into their awesome brand they have now. Uh, if you guys want to follow my podcast, it's Nick Gant Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. Want to follow me? Photography, video. 
at the Nick Camp on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, everything. And Stephen and Giselle, I really appreciate you guys taking the time today to come on here with me. So if you guys are following them, give them a follow. You're having it. Yeah, thanks for having us.